So hi everybody, my name is Lorraine and I am part of the preaching team here at Sutton Vineyard Church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your word and we just pray that your word would come alive this morning uh, to all of us here, all of us watching, all of us watching on Catch Up. And Jesus, I just pray that you would speak through the preparation that I've done and whatever people want to hear, whatever you want people to hear this morning, they would hear. And whatever is not of you, Lord, that would just fall away. Jesus, in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I remember standing at the top of the Shepherd's Bush Empire a few years ago, uh, singing my little heart out with my hands out, eyes closed to the song, Majesty. It was a bit like this morning, but basically a lot more people. Um, Majesty, Majesty, your grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed, but alive in your hands. You see, this morning we're focusing on Psalm 8. And Psalm 8 has its sole focus on the majesty of God. Psalm 8 is a beautiful psalm of praise. It uplifts the soul. Uh, I love nature and I really connect to God through nature. Um, I remember quite a few years ago now, before the kids, Dave and I went skiing a few times and um, I absolutely love the mountains. They are awesome. Now, my philosophy is quite different to my husband's. His is skis down, head down, go as fast as you possibly can. Uh, My philosophy is a little bit different, taking the view, nice meandering course down the mountain. Um, I love the mountains. And I love being outside, the stars, the heavens, they all proclaim God's glory. I do find God's presence and power in nature. The sea itself brings me great joy. Um, Water particularly is one of God's most spectacular creations. We went to Brazil many years ago, Dave and I, and we went to somewhere called Foz do Iguaçu, which is a tremendous place to go. There are 257 waterfalls, all the same height as Niagara. Um, Basically, I made Dave go back for almost three days just to stand there and be there. Um, It's is easy to feel perhaps a bit insignificant in comparison. But actually, Psalm 8 really reiterates the importance of humanity. God in his greatness assures our worth. And that's what we're going to look into this morning. How our omnipotent creator values us, his creation. The awesome majesty of God reveals the true dignity and meaning of what it means to be human through Jesus. So let's read Psalm 8 together. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You have made them rulers over the works of your hands. You have put everything under their feet all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and all that swims in the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So David is our psalmist this morning as we work through this series on resetting through the Psalms. Psalm 8 is written by David and he's thinking, he's thinking here about the big questions about life. 
he's thinking about who is God? Like, what is he like? How do I meet him? How do I get to know him? He's thinking about what has he done? And thirdly, he's thinking about who did he create? So we will take those three questions this morning and we'll go through and we'll have a little think about them. So first of all, who is God? Psalm starts, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8 links back to the creation hymn in Genesis chapter 1. And of course, God is the creator. He is Adonai. He is the Lord. He is majesty. And verse 1 and verse 9 are the same. God is Lord of all, and our only response to him is to worship him. Who is God? Well, God is the director. He's the ruler. He's the judge. He is the supporter of men. He is the Lord. You see, Psalm 8 is not really about humans. It's about God. God in his goodness and his graciousness, he gives us generously this incredible authority, which is an amazing, amazing gift. We are basically but humble creatures in comparison to these heavenly beings. But our position says a lot more about God than it does about us. God gives authority and power and dominion to us. That is incredibly trusting. And when we understand this, our natural response will be to praise, to praise him. God made us for a glorious destiny. And Psalm 8, yes, starts to celebrate the majesty of God and then describes what God has made. God is in charge and we have our place in that created order. So number one, who is God? Number two, what has he done? What has he done? You have set your glory in the heavens. We live in a spectacular place. We have a spectacular universe around us. When I consider, verse three, your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, now, I remember as a little kid in my house when I was growing up, sitting in the loft, uh, my room was in the loft, and I remember trying to think of nothing, like actually nothing, like not just black emptiness, but just nothing. And it was really difficult. Um, I'm a secondary school teacher, um, and I teach religious studies. And we have a philosophy unit at the beginning of year eight. And I try and get the kids to think of nothing. And it's really hard. They can't do it. Um, and it's very, very difficult. But the reality is, that was what there was at the beginning. In the beginning, there was nothing. Ex nihilo, nothing. God created out of nothing. As science gets more sophisticated and we see these incredible pictures of our galaxy and the awesomeness of space, we start to have questions, perhaps, about that galaxy and the universe. And maybe that leaves us a bit confused and maybe a bit frustrated. But David begins with God. He begins with God and he understands that the universe is God's awesome handiwork. And then he goes on to question about human life. What has he done? Not only that, God gives strength to the weak. Verse 2. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. So stronghold here means strength, okay? The strength of God in his majesty and his glory. God gives weak, gives weak people strength. He gives them strength to defy the forces of chaos. Of course, that's the enemy. You see, God is a God of order. 
He gave his law to protect and structure society and look after his people. One of the mysteries of God is that in his power and in his glory, he gives strength to small children and babies and nursing infants. God's strength is evident in weakness. What is weaker than a tiny newborn baby? Yet God installs his power into that person. And the same is, of course, true for us. Now, I've had three babies, and um, they all refused to have the bottle. Um, and most definitely, in the first few weeks of all of their lives, I was most definitely the weakest I possibly could be. There was no sleep. Uh, I was exhausted. Baby wouldn't feed. Baby's crying. I'm crying. Dave's crying. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hardcore. And I remember one of my very good friends, uh, before I had our first son, she said to me, Lorraine, she said, it's like boot camp. Get your head down, get on with it. First six weeks are tough, but it won't last. And she was absolutely right. I was incredibly weak, but through God's graciousness, he gave me his strength to get through. But actually, what we're talking about here is God giving his strength to overcome the enemy through that weak little baby. This is a very familiar theme, isn't it? So in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27, Paul says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Now, this is actually one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. God accomplishes great things through the weakest instruments. And Satan has absolutely nothing to say when God works through such weak people. Verse 2 is very, very important because Jesus actually uses it in his retort to the Pharisees. Let's have a look at it. Matthew 21, verse 15 to 16. Jesus has been um, performing miracles. He's been challenging people's expectations. And he receives the praise of these children. So here we go. The children are shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. And they, the teachers of the law, were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise? So actually here, Jesus is doing something quite profound. He's saying that he is God, and perhaps sometimes we may miss this, but he's saying that he is the Lord, and they are the enemies of God. No wonder they were quite cross. You see, he's talking about how the, the, the children are like the babies that are praising God in Psalm 8. And so he himself, Jesus, is identifying as God. So of course the Pharisees were utterly indignant. So what has he done? And who, who, who is God? Now for number three, who did he create? Well, he created a people in his image who he thinks about and who he cares for. Verse number four. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? human beings, that you care for them. We are the pinnacle of God's creation. God, in his love, created us. And this is why Jesus came back, came, came to us, rather. This is why Jesus, the incarnation, God in human form, this is why Jesus was sent, because of God's great love. And it was always the plan. You see, first, uh, Psalms 8 is referred to in the New Testament, and actually, um, it applies to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15 and Hebrews 2, you can find those references. In the book of Hebrews, Jesus is talked about as fully human. 
and he is made a little bit lower than the angels and the heavenly beings. Because of what Jesus has done, what he can do and what he will do, he will come back to raise us all when he comes back to reign. You see, Jesus is the perfect reflection of God's image. Remember Genesis chapter 1, Adam and Eve, made in the image of God. So who did he create? He created us. He made us, verse 5, a little lower than the angels. Now some translations, probably more accurate, translate it as as made a little lower than God's. In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, the Greek language translates verse 5 in application to, uh, to apply it to Jesus and how Jesus is the perfect representation of what it means to be human. The Greek and the Hebrew language explain that a little means a little while, as in like a temporal sense. So Jesus was made lower for a little while. And Jesus has authority over the angels, but for a little while, he's made a little lower than the angels as God incarnate, God in human form. He is made a little lower, yet through his suffering, he receives this crown of glory and honour because he is the perfect representation of what it means to be human. And it is to him who we are subject. This is quite incredible. Psalm 8, God made mankind a little lower than the angels, a little lower than God himself. Of course, we are indeed beneath him at present. Now, David, if you notice, didn't say a little bit higher than the animals or a little bit higher than the beasts. We are in this middle position between God, the angels, and the animals. But David wants us to look upwards and focus our attention upwards, not down. So as Jesus had this lower position for a little while, our low position relates to our frailty and our weakness now, but of course not in the world to come. We will go upward to be with him and surpass the angels in glory, and we will sit with Jesus. Now, if this position isn't generous enough, actually we're going to be given something else as well. We're going to be crowned with glory and honour in verse 5. What does this mean? Glory. So glory itself is high renown or honour, won by notable achievements. Now, of course, it's Jesus who's won, won, and he deserves the glory and honour, but he bestows it and gives it to us. It's the same for us, the same treatment for us as it is for Jesus. God's glory is above the heavens. And the same glory and honour is going to be bestowed upon us like a crown because we are made in his image and we reflect the glory of God. We are made lower than him, but we will be raised to be with him. This is pretty awesome. So how do we relate those three ideas? Who is God? What has he done? And who did he create? How do we apply them to ourselves? What does this mean for my life, you might say, Lorraine? Well, okay, so who is the Lord? Is he your Lord? Verse 1 and verse 9 are the same. And actually, my internal struggle, yes, I have a struggle. Is he my Lord? Am I going to say yes to him every time? You see, if he is my Lord, then I should say a perpetual yes, Lord, every time, no matter what the cost. 
And recently I've been gently challenged about that. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Okay, but what, you say fine, but what if you don't know what God is asking you to do? <laughs> and you don't know what, to say, what God is asking of you? And yes, I understand. I fully hear what you're saying. I struggle to hear him and listen to his voice, but in my own understanding and experience, I just have to practice. And sometimes it's obvious what God wants you to do, and you can say yes, or you can say no. And sometimes it's not, and we have to sift through all those different voices and choose from the different possible paths that are laid out in front of us. Jesus said, I am the gate. Enter through the narrow path. You see, sometimes it's bumpy, and there are lots of twists and turns and potholes and potential slip roads. But don't forget, Psalm 23 tells us that the good shepherd has been there before us. He's gone there to take a recce. He has gone out there to look and see if the path is safe for us. We trust our fellow human travellers. Are we prepared to trust Jesus and say yes to him? Secondly, what has he done? Consider the heavens. Consider the heavens. Look, watch, wait. You see, David knew the value of simply considering the heavens to see the greatness of God and his creation. Are we able to look and watch and wait for him and consider what he has done? At home, we have this fantastic Osborne space book, and I love it. Um, I've learned lots from it, and there's a great picture of the sun um, and all these little earths in the sun. And how many do you think little earths fit inside our sun? Well, actually, it, the volume of the sun is so vast that it would take 1.3 million little earths. You see, our star is not the largest we know in our galaxy. Um, by eye, you can see about 5,000 stars, and obviously with a telescope, infinitely more. But the universe is so big that if you travelled at the speed of, speed of light, it would take 40 billion years. And David here says, God made it all. Consider the heavens. What has he done? He's created us. He's created us, but he's given us power in our weakness. Children have this amazing ability to trust. And their childlike faith is wonderful. And as we get older, maybe it looks a little bit different. Perhaps today you might want to think about whether or not you want to ask God to remove those barriers and give you more of a childlike faith and trust in him. Maybe today you feel overwhelmed by the attack of the enemy. But today, my friends, you need to hear that God's power is made strongest in weakness. Just like those tiny, tiny babies. And who did he create? What is mankind that you are mindful of them? You could read potentially verse, uh, sorry, Psalm 8 with a sen possible sense of unworthiness. Who am I compared to God's great creation? But actually, it was because of God's great love that Jesus came. It was always his plan to come and find us in the mess, that our saviour, Jesus, comes and gives us this crown of glory and honour because of his great love. And we will be raised to be with him. He is mindful of you. 
Now, sometimes we may feel like, I don't really know how to act as God's glorious creation. Uh, I'm not really sure how to do that. Um, so we watch, we look at Jesus as our model. Um, now, as a teacher, I was always told to be a better teacher, I should watch other people. So I watched Miss Adams, and I watched Mr. Ferguson, and I watched Miss Weatherhead, and I watched what they did. Whether you call it neuro-linguistic programming or good old-fashioned role models, ultimately, we look at Jesus as our role model, who is the ultimate model of humility and servant-heartedness. Humility itself is proper respect for God and not self-depreciation. Jesus is the perfect human who we can watch and copy. Hebrews 2 verse 9. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Jesus is the perfect reflection of God. He is the model of obedience. If we want to say yes, Lord, yes to serving him, if we don't know how to do that, you can click on the app and click on community and find out all the different things you could possibly do. We can look at God's vast creation and wonder how God can be concerned for me and you, for us. Because do you know what? We are made a little lower than the angels, a little lower than God himself. That is what scripture says. If sometimes you might question your worth, remember that God sees you and you have high value. You bear the stamp of the creator. We are made in God's image and reflect who God is. And if you're ever unsure, look to Jesus because he is the perfect mirror of God the Father. Would the band like to come back? So, Will you watch and wait for Jesus? And if you do, do you know what? He promises to meet you in your daily life through the Holy Spirit, through his love for you. He will meet you where you are at if you purposefully look for him. In our daily life, if God cares for us, which he says he does, he considers us, he thinks of us, and gives us power to cope with whatever life demands of us. Ultimately, he will crown us with glory and honour that Jesus has won. So if all of those things, what stops you saying yes? This is an awesome offer. God Almighty calls you by name and he protects you from the enemy and ensures in our weakness we are strong in him and we are stronger than ever because of him. This God in his love thinks of you. We can ask God to remove those barriers perhaps we've put up and receive a more childlike faith. Is there one decision you can make today meaning that you have more space to watch for him? Amen. Amen.